Welcome to the Pitbull Patty Show. This season, we're inviting you to take the Lit Grit Challenge by reading great literature just one hour a day, 52 books in 52 weeks, to give you the grit you need to succeed. Hey everybody, welcome to the Pitbull Patty Show. I am Patty Stuckler, joined with Connor. My voice is not the best today. I realize I went to a Valentine's shindig thing, event for realtors, and my voice, when I, if I drink too much wine, it just goes. She was yelling all night. <laughs> so I've got to like, uh, yeah, I have to really watch that because my voice just, it just, I don't know. So we better do this in one take, in other words. Yes. Yeah, we'll get to it. But this this is such a great book. I mean, this was your choice, Connor. Yeah, and you'll notice it's it's an author we've already covered. It's Charles Duhigg, and he had The, the Power of Habit, which is one of my favorite books ever. Um, this book, I think, is phenomenal. I think he's a great writer, the way he interweaves stories throughout the book to really you know, illustrate his point. Um, personally, with this book, I thought um, there were some chapters that I... I really, really valued more than others, and it just in an application of my own life. And what did what do you think? Yeah, I I thought it was a great book because it kind of to me it kind of tells you about, and it was interesting because we kind of talked briefly about it. But what you ever focus, so briefly? Yeah, not very much. But you focus on all the books we've been reading. You focus on different things than I do, so which is interesting. I mean, just the way people, I guess what. Yeah, the things I focus on are really riveting, interesting. interesting and <laughs> you kind of focus on them well, minute. Yeah, not, well, whatever. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Whatever, but it's like what I thought was really cool was it kind of talked about like how your brain, you know, need how you can focus, and if you don't focus on what happens, and so just to get right to it, I felt like some of the most interesting um, stuff in here. Was this, and it's full of stories, which is really cool. Right, it's a it's a it's a page turner. I mean, he really, you know, grabs your interest and, and keeps your interest and, and makes you want to read it. Yeah, and it, I mean, really good. There was one story in here, and in fact, it was so interesting because he's in the chapter he talks about focus. He says he tells a story about this. Uh, I'm gonna look it up here. Air France Flight 447, mm -hmm. and that he talk goes into the whole detail of it. It's a great story to to uh, to read. It's riveting. And it's how this pilot, this Airbus um, flight, mm -hmm. taken off from uh, from France, I guess. But the pilot ends up, uh, there's all kinds of problems that happen and crises on the plane and, mm -hmm. and damage to the plane that happens. And so, but the pilot goes into what they call cognitive tunneling, mm -hmm. which I'd never heard that term before. Really interesting, I thought, because it's where, um, and, and you can... It's kind of like having tunnel vision. Yeah, it's kind of, and actually, and not just pilots, but... Um, you know, people who are on their cell phones and they're just hyper focused on whatever it is they're like me with at. my Twitter feed. Yeah, exactly. You <laughs> go into a cognitive tunneling apparently with your Twitter feed, and and so we all actually do this to you know to some degree, depending on what the task is or that we're doing. But on that flight, the plane was needing to descend instead of ascend, and it got way too high into the thin uh, air. And it ended up with the nose of the plane going straight up, and they went into a stall, mm -hmm. which literally you just, the plane fell to the ground in just like a, a you know, a rock. So, and they all died, 228 people, I think there were. Didn't it, wasn't it one of the worst plane crashes? And it was horrible. And the, and the reality of it was that it was so preventable. Mm -hmm. But when the, when the, 
the, the alarm these, bells started dinging. Yeah, and, it was on autopilot by the time I I believe on that flight it was a couple hours into the flight or something, but the um when the mechanical uh, and so it was on autopilot and then the mechanical problems started happening alarm bells were ringing and mm -hmm. lights were flashing and so the pilot and co-pilots were just like you overwhelmed. know overwhelmed and didn't focus on actually what they needed to focus mm -hmm. on which was if they would have that total crash and fatalities all mm -hmm. would have been preventable then he contrasts that in the it's book. It's a really sad story. I know my mom said it was really interesting, but it's really sad. Well, yeah, it was incredibly sad, but, but very interesting to me. And then, especially since, you know, my dad was a pilot, you know, Air Force One pilot, and, or Air Force Two, actually, technically. He was an Air Force Two. He, he flew the vice presidents in the 1970s. But he, so, so I know a little bit about planes and flight and so forth from dad, but um, they, he talks about in this book, though, he compares it to a flight, Qantas Flight 32, which was also a famous flight. And on that flight, ironically... What's interesting, too, is that you went on a, an appointment the other day, and the guy was a helicopter pilot, and he started talking about the Airbus, the France flight, which I thought was really interesting. It's just the law of attraction in, in action. Well, you're right, and that was that was actually really interesting. I went on a, a, a you know listing appointment, and the... The seller is a helicopter pilot, like you said, mm -hmm. for the Air Force, uh, based out of Andrews. And he, we were talking and what are chatting. Kobe Bryant. And Co yeah, I asked him about Kobe Bryant yeah. and about hey, you know, what do you, what, you know, what do you know about that and kind of what what caused that crash and blah blah blah. So he was telling me about that, and then and then he starts telling me about the flight, this Air Air France flight that I was just reading at six o'clock in the morning that same day. <laughs> So here I am meeting with him at like six in the evening, 12 hours earlier that very same day. I was literally reading the, about that flight. And then I read about the um, the Qantas Flight 32, and he hadn't heard that flight, about that flight. So I started telling him where that was actually like the, the most damaged aircraft. It was also an Airbus plane, and it was the most damaged air, aircraft that ever landed safely, where the pilot did everything right and what happened was in that just to give a little brief synopsis of it the, the one if you've ever seen the movie flight with denzel washington it's almost like the same story except without the coke and the alcohol <laughs> okay <laughs> all right then so yeah so just to kind of give you a brief you know um it's a really good movie synopsis that. on it so so the flight was taken off from singapore going to uh australia i believe anyway the it was a couple minutes into the flight the one of the engines started failing, and then the I think it was a couple minutes into the flight. I might getting be getting those transposed, but the one of the uh, engines started failing, and then as another engine out of the four engines, another engine started leaking fuel. There was a fire that occurred, and mm -hmm. so all these horrible catastrophic things that you would never want to happen to a plane in, in flight happened, and uh, the pilot. Then of course all the bells started ringing, and all the things started happening. And then this pilot was so incredible. So if you yeah. ever get a chance to read the full story, and hopefully you'll read it in this book because it's so great. And I mean, I literally cried. It, I mean, I literally did. I know I'm such a sap, but I was like, it was so incredible because because the guy, he literally he was so great in how he went from this oh my god we're gonna die, right? <laughs> and you know the plane's on fire and the bells are ringing and the sounds and everything else. And he goes, and at first he gets into that, like, kind of, like, oh, my God, the, the, you can't focus. And then he reverts back to, 
when he first started flying years ago and what a lot of hobbyist pilots fly are Cessnas. Cessnas are very small aircraft, very basic, simple aircraft. Right. They're, and, single, uh, they're single engine Single planes. engine planes. Yeah, my dad had one similar to that when, you know, years ago when he was, you know, young. And the, uh, the pilot thought to himself, I'm going to revert back to flying this ginormous Airbus as if it was a, a little tiny Cessna. And by doing that, he focused so incredibly well that he was able to land that plane safely. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty incredible story. The, and how it ties to the book is he's, he talks about, you know, cognitive tunneling with, with the, the plane that, that crashed. And then with, with the successful landing of this plane, um, the Qantas. Qantas Flight 32, yeah. Flight 32. Um, he talks about mental models. And he literally talks about the pilot and how he would drill his co-pilot and their staff you know, about having mental models, like what to do in the event of X, what to do in the event of Y. So he had kind of played it through his mind and he talks, is this book, do they talk about Michael Phelps or am I confusing it? But Michael Phelps. Might have been in the habits book, I don't know. Well, Michael Phelps, it's the same thing. You, you, you create these mental models so that when you run into these problems, you've already faced them in your mind and you know how to react and you don't panic. Um, so I thought that was really, really interesting because the story with Michael Phelps is he was swimming and then water got in his goggles, which is, you know, kind of worst case scenario yeah. for, for a swimmer. Um, and he was able to, you know, put that aside, focus, go to his mental models, know that he's he's practiced for this exact same thing to happen and, and able to finish the race. And I think he set a world record. He, he did, and it yeah. was in the Olympics, and he won a gold medal yeah. and set a record, a world record. So, so. it's really cool. But that And that's what that story is kind of talking about, is that cognitive tunneling and then the, the creating mental models. And that's something that I definitely took away from the book, the mental models. I thought was great. That was great. And I'm glad you brought that up about about what how they refer to that. And I, and I thought the, um, what did you think about the Marine Corps stuff? I thought that was super interesting. If you remember, the Marine Corps was when they were, he was talking about like how you develop self-motivation, self-drive. Yeah, yeah. yeah I they that talk about the cool. inner locus of control versus yeah. the external locus of control. That was another great one. I think that's the first chapter. Um, so you don't have to read far to hear this story. Yeah, the Marine Corps was interesting because it talks about this guy and he's kind of like, I don't know what to do with my life. Very unfocused about, you know, who he was or where he was going. He ends up going into the Marine Corps. And he really, uh, the Marine Corps had had really started a transformation at mm -hmm. that time. That they they were realizing that their recruits really uh, had no motivation or drive. And they didn't know how to, like, make decisions. Mm -hmm. for they, they only knew how to take orders. And, and what happens is you're out somewhere in God knows what country and then things happen and you have to make decisions uh, right. in real time for yourself. You don't have a, you know, a commander telling you what to do. Mm -hmm. So they, they talked about um, what, what you were talking about, that internal locus where you're really um, make, able to make those decisions. Well, and what, what the inner versus external locus of control is, is about is people with the inner locus of control take responsibility for all their successes and their failures and people with an external locus of control and they they blame all the exterior reasons and the environment and they they don't take any responsibility for what what ultimately happens the results that that ultimately happen so it's right they, they blame events mm -hmm. and things like that like oh i can't do something because I'm a woman or I can't do something because I'm too young or too old or too this or whatever mm -hmm. or something else happened to me. And what was really interesting to me was they talk about children in school and if you tell a, a, the child that he's smart and that's why he did well on his test, that's an external factor. You can't, you know, 
intelligence for a lot of people believe it's an innate ability. So it's not a result of, of their actions or their hard work. But if you tell a student that they that the reason they did well is because of all the hard work that they put into learning the material and studying and all that, then they develop an inner locus of control. And those students, you know, throughout the years end up doing much better, which I thought was really interesting because you always, you know, you always told me I was really smart. I think she was <laughs> pumping my head up. Um, but it's just interesting because that's that kind of it's counterintuitive almost. Like, of course, you would want to tell your, your child, you're, oh, you're smart. You can do it. But what the, the data suggest, like says is that you really want to praise their the work that they put into it because that's going to give them the inner locus of control. They're going to be in control of their lives and, and they're going to end up being that much more successful, which yeah. I thought was really interesting. Yeah, and in fact, the Marine Corps story where he, the, the, they were talking about how they will take recruits and they'll say, okay, now you go in and you uh, clean up the mess hall. Mm -hmm. And they give them zero instruction as far as what to do with the leftovers, how to clean it, where the soap is located, how to use the commercial dishwasher, mm -hmm. all those things. And they... So then the, the recruits are looking at each other like, well, what do we do now? So they right. had to figure things out, and then they overloaded the dishwasher, and soap was everywhere, and everything was a hot mess. But but they got it done. And, right. you know, hours later, they got it done. And then, you know, one of the commanders, or whatever they're called, would say, um, set, found the smallest, weakest-looking guy, you know, and set, and then praised him for putting away the ketchup in the right place. The smallest of things. But it just then gave that recruit like, wow, I, I did something amazing, even though it was something so simple. Yeah. But and, he, and it also says like they, they make a point of not um, not praising people for doing things that come easy. Like, so right. say you're a runner and you run really fast and you beat everybody else out. Well, you're already a gifted runner. So that's not hard. So mm -hmm. praise people for doing things that are difficult, yeah. that are hard. And then that's when they can really develop a lot more self drive is, is kind of what it goes into i'm not sure we're explaining it probably as well as <laughs> that's why you gotta read the book guys <laughs> why you gotta read the book that's uh, right that's right <laughs> one of the things i really liked too was um this is probably a theme but um like the goal set the chapter on goal setting and um what i loved about it was it talks about the smart goals which i'm not going to get into because we've talked about that at ad nauseum probably but they talk about using smart goals and then what he defines as stretch goals, which are big, ambitious goals, kind of like in, you know, finding your major definite purpose or like the one thing. What, is, what does he refer to it mm -hmm. as? The, the I can't remember now, but um, but your one thing. So it, it was pretty interesting to me trying in, incorporating those stretch goals with with using the smart goal model, because it really just gives you a breakdown and a blueprint to how to, to achieve those goals. I, I thought that was really, really good. Um, that's, that's something I've taken that model and tried to, to set, use that as a blueprint for, for 2020. And that's how I, you know, kind of reverse engineered all the goals, like these stretch goals. And I've kind of stolen that stretch goals thing. Cause now I, I, in my listing presentations, I talk about stretch pricing and, uh, <laughs> nice. that's actually in retrospect, reading it again, I'm like, Oh, that's where I came up with that. Uh, which I just thought was pretty, pretty I noticed that when I was reading that, I was thinking he yeah. likes that word stretch. Well, cause, like and when I talk to, to, to people <laughs> about listing their home, I'm like, you know, this is what the comps say, but the market's really strong right now, which it is. Um, but, you know, since it's so strong and inventory so tight, why don't we try to stretch the market and list it, you know, another 15 or 10 or $20,000 higher? And, you know, it's actually been working out pretty well um, so yeah. far this year, at least. But it is interesting, like, um, this book talks about not just 
you know, smart goals and goal setting, things like that. It talks to me, it talks about a lot more broad. Oh yeah. That's just um, one chapter. Yeah, just, exactly. Yeah. A lot more broad, um, topics within this book and kind of, you know, how to, how to just think really well. And, and, you know, I don't know if you read the appendix too. I think mm -hmm. it's, I, I don't always read the appendix, but I think for this book, it's, it's really worth doing, um, because he takes all of the, the topics he covers in the book. Well, not all of them, but you know, four fifths of them or three quarters of them. And, and basically gives you practical, um, application for how he even wrote how the to book. apply the book and, and how right and then and then he gave you examples of how he actually used what he was learning in in writing the book which i thought was really cool yeah just to give you kind of a practical example yeah he's great and i and i thought that um you know he, he talks about teams a little bit like you know and working within a group and, and there's a, a lot of information about some really successful uh, like teams Saturday, like Saturday, Saturday Night, Night Live. Live. Yeah. yeah, that was really super interesting. And I thought about our own team, our own real estate team. Like, well, are we a good team? Like, are we? <laughs> I remember thinking, you know, like, am I doing this? Am I leading this the right way? Am I doing, you know, are we, am I allowing others? To... That's why I suggested this book. <laughs> I mean, like, it talks about, like, letting people all talk, you know, within your team. Mm -hmm. Listening. Yeah. No. You know, everybody down to, you know. Yeah, whoever, Kate, our assistant, whatever, whoever it is that your team members all feel like they have a say so mm -hmm. that they're listened to, and that it's a you had everybody has psychological safety within the team. So meaning there's there's uh, no risk to throwing out ideas. They may be the dumbest ideas in the world, but you feel safe to yeah. to throw them out there. Nobody's just going to make you feel stupid or whatever. You know that you have to work really hard at just yeah. like uh, being a team and getting along, and and it's and and it was also kind of refreshing when he's talking about the teams that doesn't have to be perfect, and Lord knows we're not perfect. That you can it can be messy, it can be, I mean, Lord knows we get into arguments and disagreements about lots of things, and some days are really, you know, not the best, right. and then other days are absolutely phenomenal, you know, and that's okay, and that's part of. A successful team and it made Absolutely. me feel really good that but it also gives you insights if you you know just want to improve your teams sure and how you are or how you work with with other people so there's some really great stories we'll, we'll let you read them yeah so and I'll be honest I, I didn't resonate with those ones as much because I, I don't I don't have a team beneath me yet um, <laughs> But you know, I, I think I have to good, die good. first. Oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Connor. <laughs> okay, I should. Took a it. dark turn. Yeah. No. No. The, you're right. I mean, maybe that didn't uh, apply to you as much as it did to me. Well, it just. I mean, it was still all very interesting stuff. Like I liked reading about the Saturday Night Live and you know how they became so successful and everything that went into that. I, I just, you know, some of the other things. I, just where I am in in my life right now, I'm trying to to really, you know, get ahead and. You know, just bought a new house and trying to, you know, going to get married later this year. So I'm really trying to build the foundation for, you know, having kids and all that. So, you know, I, different chapters kind of resonated with me than, yeah. than some of those. And that's true. Anybody reading this book is going to, depending on where you are in your life, is going to take different things out of it. And, you know, just to kind of wrap things up, I, I feel like I know how hard it is to read every day. And I have really gotten into, thankfully, some really good habits now. Of, of Lord knows it's been day. hard recently. It's really hard right now. We are both moving. You're moving. Yeah, I'm, I'm moving. I'm totally renovating a house. This is a new a setup. And you, people probably don't even realize because it looks so similar. Right. You may not realize, but this is that we're actually in a different location. It's a secret location. <laughs> 
but this is a totally different location and um you know so it's crazy right now and so it's some i think to myself oh my god i don't have time to read today i just i have way too much to do too much going on but i still carve out the time and and then it's when a moment happens like the other day that we've already yeah. talked about like yeah, then you're telling cool. a story you heard that story that they're telling you and you can then tell them a new story they hadn't heard and you just it may not seem like some of this information sometimes is like, well, how's that really going to help me? Just to read and go beyond yourself yeah. and see what all is out there and hear the stories and a lot of the information that's self-help and self-development is so wonderful. But even just hearing stories about, you know, some of the, all these kinds of stories, whatever they are, they're yeah. just, they help your mind grow in ways that you really can't even anticipate it's, right it's really wonderful yeah it's been great i mean it just kind of you know it's your brain gets into kind of muscle memory you know you get yeah. kind of used to the same thought pattern so it just kind of forces you to get outside to of that yeah forces you so to it's, grow. it's really so good. that's why reading that's why we're not doing i'm not doing this uh to drive myself crazy or to drive you crazy connor i don't get paid for this i don't get, i don't i don't do this to sell houses that's not what this is about. This is truly a love of reading and, and a belief that that we can all empower ourselves by reading really great nonfiction books. And and I my true uh you know goal is if more people read, then the happier people will be. And I think that'd be what a wonderful world that is. If yeah. people are really happy and love themselves and, and I and they're in a better place. They just place have to a better understanding others. of themselves and, and the people around them. It really kind of gives context to why some people behave the way they do, and you know, instead of, you know, I want to. What is that saying? I, I, I I'm going to butcher it, but it's you know, don't attribute malice where stupidity will do. So a lot of times we're we're quick to to judge other people's intentions, um, but a lot of times they don't even realize you know what they're doing, the effect it's having, or the you know the consequence it has. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's really good, and so that's that's why we're doing it because Lord knows I am not a reader. Yeah, and I know sometimes you're like, oh my God, Mom, why did you get me involved in this? <laughs> I'm like, I'm always looking for guests. If you want to be a guest on the Pitbull Patty show and, and take your place, take, read for a week and take my place, well, I encourage it. <laughs> okay, well, to wrap it up, in fact, this is the book. So to kind of, this will be an easy week for you, okay? It'll be an easy read for me. Um, and I've read this before, but this is, this is a great book. Uh, this is called Real Estate Investing by Eric Tyson and Robert Griswold. reason I wanted to do this one, and this will give you a little bit of a break. I know you've had such a tough schedule uh, like me, but this book, so many people ask all the time about real estate investing. Absolutely. So I just thought, hey, if you, you know, and part of happiness is doing well financially. You don't have to be a certainly makes things easier. Makes life easier <laughs> if you have a little bit of money. So if you, if you would like to get into real estate investing, and want some basic questions, this is not a deep book. This gives basic information that's really helpful and I think will answer a lot of questions for people that mm -hmm. are just starting out. Not This is not for an advanced investor. Right. Somebody who's, who's thinking about it. And, foundation. Yeah, exactly. So um, read this. And by the way, if you uh, like, um, we, we do the video podcast, just FYI, because so many people are on Facebook, especially my age. Sure. At your age, not as much, but you know they're on Instagram and and all over. But if you're if you like podcasts, that's where I started with this podcast with mm -hmm. just an MP3. You can find us uh, the Pitbull Patty Show in iTunes. You just go on iTunes and you can type that in. If you type in Pitbull Patty, it'll pop right up in all the episodes, including 
the past three seasons are on there if you want to just listen to audio, like in your car uh, or working out and running and whatever. You can listen to it just by MP3. So check that out. And um, yeah, just uh, let us know what your thoughts are. If you want to, you know, certain books that you want covered that you think would fit what we're doing here with yeah. the Lit Great Challenge, Bring just let on. us know. Yeah. Have a great week. Happy reading.